Ready? Born ready. Tuning in to another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where to Party At. I am your host, Sabalong. Another week, another pod, lots to talk about. Let's dive right in, why don't we? So, first up, this is a quick little thing that I just want to mention because this is a topic that has been on Americans' minds for a number of years now. And you have a chance to participate in it. So I want to bring it to your attention. The Southern Center for Human Rights, they're based right here in Atlanta. They are seeking feedback uh, from the public on education and advocacy about police use of force in Atlanta. Uh, So they're going to be hosting meetings across the city where you can talk to them about how you would like to reimagine policing in Atlanta. Uh, check the show notes. I'm going to put in there a Google form that you can just click that form to sign up and participate. Uh, and so, by the way, the city of Atlanta has an interim police chief and they're doing a search for a chief. So they're doing a national search for a chief. I don't know that timeline, uh, but I do hope whatever information is gleaned from this these forums is also shared with APD. And that's useful for them as they think through how they want to reimagine community policing and how they interact with the public. Um, The police chief is one of the big positions that Mayor Andre Dickens is trying to fill. Uh, And another big position he's trying to fill is chief housing officer. So those are two big positions that are really going to impact us, every single person. Did did that report come from that video with the lady being, with the excessive use of force No, this is just something that they had been planning to do. I think the Southern Center got some money to do this. And actually I should also mention, they're going to incentivize you. I don't know if it's like gift cards or cash or something, but if you participate, they're going to actually pay you and putting in air quotes, they're going to incentivize you for your time. So all the more reason to go do it. All right. Um, Another thing that has happened recently in the state, uh, just a heads up that We'll start voting in a couple of months in October. A judge just ruled again that groups are still not allowed to pass out water or food within 150 feet of a voting precinct in the state of Georgia. Take a listen to this interview and report from Channel 11, 11 Alive, that includes an interview with someone from the ACLU. They were fighting uh, this particular bill. Take a listen. A federal judge says he will not block a ban preventing groups from handing out food and water to voters as they wait in line. So the ruling means the ban will be in place for this November's election. But 11 Alive's Joe Hankey is here to explain why that ruling could be overturned. Joe? Ron, a federal judge here in Atlanta says we're simply too close to the November election for him to overturn the ban. But there is at least a part of the ban which he believes could be ruled unconstitutional after the election. 
Within the 98-page law known as SB202 is the ban on giving food or drinks to voters who are A, within 150 feet of a polling location, or B, within 25 feet of any voter standing in line. A federal judge within the past day wrote that last part might be unconstitutional and perhaps could be overturned in the future. Saying 25 feet from any voter, no matter how far you are from the polling place, and given how long lines have been in a number of different areas, that, that was just a bridge too far. Devin Rosborough is a senior staff attorney with the ACLU Voting Rights Project. He represents a group of plaintiffs that sued over the long list of voting changes in SB202. Rosborough says his clients will continue to challenge the ban, especially the 25-foot restrictions. He argues handing out food and water is protected by the First Amendment. What the judge correctly recognized here is that our clients, um, by showing up and providing food and water, they're providing a message of support to voters in the face of obstacles, um, in the face of barriers to voting, such as long lines, that 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 constitutes expressive conduct under the First Amendment. Georgia Republicans and supporters of SB202 point to recent high primary voting turnout in short lines to show the new law does not restrict voting. Rossborough says in addition to the food and water ban, the plaintiffs are still challenging several other parts of SB202, including absentee ballot restrictions and limits on the number and location of ballot drop boxes. And we expect a trial next year that will ultimately determine the fate um, of all those different other provisions, although a specific date hasn't yet been set. I'm Joe Hankey, 11 Alive News. All right. So that's it. Uh, this SB 202, Senate Bill 202 is what you keep hearing them refer to. That was one of uh, the laws that was passed in Georgia in response to the record turnout in the 2020 election. Now, one thing the judge did rule is that um, there's a per- part of the provision that bars people from offering food and drink if they're within 25 feet of a person in line. And that could be ruled unconstitutional. Uh, because 25 feet from a person in line could be very far from the actual polling precinct, especially if there's a long line that would, they would be well beyond the 150 feet. And so then if you're in a long line, maybe we don't know for sure, but uh, there's a possibility that you'll still be allowed to offer food and drink. I should also add, it wasn't that on this whole thing, It wasn't like the Abrams campaign or the Kemp campaign can go out there and offer food or drinks. It was organizations. Now, granted, these are organizations that are aligned with Democrats, uh, but even still, it's not like they're wearing a shirt that says, vote Stacey Abrams. Yeah, when I was in a long line, I got some water. It didn't say anything about voting for nobody. It was like, hey, you're thirsty. Right. It's hot. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So in November... BYOB, at least for now. (laughs) Um, Another thing that happened um, last week, I would say probably every journalist in Metro Atlanta was down at the courthouse because Rudy Giuliani was in town being questioned by a special grand jury about his role in trying to overturn the election results in Georgia on behalf of none other than Donald Trump. Um, I don't know what he said. This is a special grand jury, so we don't we won't know exactly what he said. My assumption is that he pled the fifth, probably lots of times. Um, that's what Trump's other lawyer, John Eastman, did when he was under oath to testify. Giuliani was in the courthouse from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So it's a very long day and lots of I plead the fifths and no comments. Um, another thing I found kind of interesting is Uh, Giuliani first tried to get out of this and his lawyer said, oh, he's too frail to come down here. 
And the judge, you know, basically said, I don't care if he gets down here by Amtrak or Uber, he's expected to be in this courtroom. And so he did make it. And one of the people who was next to him walking up the courtroom steps was none other than Vernon Jones. I was like, hmm, okay, Vernon. He pops up in the most interesting places. Um, 11 of the 16 alternate electors from Georgia are also uh, seeking to have the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, removed from this entire investigation. Their ruling or their uh, logic here is that she was listed on a fundraiser for Charlie Bailey, who's the Democrat running for lieutenant governor, and therefore she shouldn't be allowed to pursue this case or at least be in charge of this case because they feel that she's biased. Uh, Fonnie has, you know, getting Giuliani down here, that was a big win for her. And Obviously, these Georgia, quote unquote, alternate electors are trying to get uh, out of this. Fonnie also is seeking testimony from Governor Brian Kemp, and that has turned into a really tense back and forth between her office and his attorneys. She actually released the letter that she sent to his attorneys, and it was very much like, don't try me, don't come for me. Uh, and it was, I was like, whoa, okay, it's very tense language. Uh, Another person who's supposed to be here testifying, in fact, Tuesday, today, the day the podcast comes out, is Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. Now, he, again, was supposed to testify today, but a federal judge ruled Sunday that they could postpone the hearing. And so we'll see what happens next. Uh, Lindsey Graham was trying to get out of, first, he was just trying to get out of it happening, period. And then he was trying to get up having to come to Georgia and he wanted them to either do it in South Carolina or do it in D.C. Why is Lindsey Graham being asked to testify? Well, we know that he called Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger a couple times during the whole election saga. And so, I mean, who knows what Lindsey Graham will do? Some days he's against Trump. Some days he's pro-Trump. You know, to TBD, maybe he also just does a lot of I plead the fifth. Or because it's a special grand jury, maybe he'll be really honest and transparent because it's not like Trump will overhear what he says. Who I have no freaking idea. Um, By the way, Trump has hired Atlanta attorney Drew Feinling, um, who is known to represent some of your favorite artists like Migos and Gucci Mane. Uh, This attorney is also pushing back on D.A. Willis. Um, but not only about this case, but because she is in tri- she's trying to include evidence in the YNF Lucci case that rap lyrics can be admitted as evidence. And so he's an entertainment lawyer who's pushing back on that. It's really interesting. Like a rap, uh, an art, a uh, attorney who represents rappers is also representing Trump, and all this stuff is happening in Georgia. Kind of crazy. All right, Senate Watch. So you guys know the U.S. Senate is 50-50, Democrats and Republicans right now, and Vice President Kamala Harris is often the tiebreaker. Well, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was in Kentucky, that's his home state, an event hosted by the Chamber of Commerce. Take a listen to how he answered a question about the likelihood of Republicans winning back the Senate. Care to share any of your projections on the midterm elections? Yeah, I think that there's probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, 
and the quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Right now, we have a 50 50 Senate and a 50 50 country, but I think when all is said and done, it's all we have an extremely close Senate, either our side up slightly or their side up slightly. I don't know if it was in that clip, uh, or at least it was just kind of hard to hear. One of the things he says is that the quality of the candidates is going to impact if Republicans win or not. Um, And it's just kind of ironic because, you know, a couple things. Mitch knows that the Republican Party is unrecognizable, at least compared to what it was a decade ago. Um, Most of the Republican Senate candidates in the battleground states like Georgia, are either hard, hardcore Trumpers, and then McConnell and, and Trump have beef, like active beef right now, or they are clearly not policy-oriented. Think Herschel Walker. So Herschel is a Trumper, but I'm going to say he's a Trumper in air quotes. Like, he is a Trumper, but I think the most, you know, the most pronounced thing about him is that he doesn't have a good grasp of public policy. And what's happening is that the Senate candidates are not folks that McConnell necessarily would have pushed forward. Although, as Senate Minority Leader, he did say, and we talked about this on the pod a few, maybe a couple months ago now, that McConnell said he fully backed Herschel Walker. And this was during the primary. And so he had an opportunity to back a more quote unquote electable candidate, but he chose to stick with Herschel Walker. So, you know, I don't know if McConnell was saying this just to downplay possible losses in November, right? To just say like, oh, we don't have great candidates, so we might lose. Or is he saying this as a way to fire up the base and make the base scared to say, oh, shoot, we're not going to take back the Senate. So let's go make sure we go vote right now. I don't know. Now, as it relates to Georgia, Sabato's Crystal Ball, this is a well-known blog by Larry Sabato of the University of Virginia Center for Politics. He has the Warnock-Walker race as a toss-up. And then 538, which is another popular political forecasting site, also has the race as a toss-up. But they're giving Warnock a 51 out of 100 shot at winning. So a slight, slight edge to Warnock, but truly it's anyone's guess right now of who will win. I I would just say kind of on the ground, it feels like Warnock has a better shot uh, than Herschel. But again, you just never know what people are going to do when they walk in that voting booth. Yeah, but on the other side, the Walker uh, hype has kind of died down. It's died down a little bit. It's dying down. Yeah, I think the, the other kids coming out really hurt. That and just the level of incompetence. I think if other Republicans weren't doing it, but like you said, it's this whole outsider Republican thing going on where they mm-hmm. all look foolish. So right. They're not helping each other out. Right. So by the way, 538 also has Georgia governor Brian Kemp with an 85 out of a hundred shot at winning reelection. Now, the ties can change. You know, as a candidate, Brian Kemp was not at all favored to win. Everyone thought Casey Cagle was going to win. But Casey ended up having a series of missteps. And then Kemp ended up getting the coveted Donald Trump endorsement. And at that point, it was his race to lose. So the rest is history. Uh, So we'll see what happens. But, you know, if 
all signs point to Democrats losing the House. And then it's TBD what will happen if they lose the Senate. But if they lose the House and the Senate, there's going to be absolute gridlock for the remainder of Joe Biden's term because they won't be able to get anything through. And Republicans have proven that they will do anything they can to to, to hurt. And when I say hurt, I'm saying negatively impact the president, right? To say like, none of your policy initiatives, we're going to help you get those passed. We're going to do everything we can to fight you. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Speaking of the president, will he or won't he? That is the question looming about if Biden will forgive at least $10,000 of student loan debt per person by August 31st. Like that was the deadline. It is rapidly approaching. Some folks think he's going to extend the deadline for student loan repayments. This would be, I think, the second or third extension at this point. Uh, because the administration still doesn't know how they want to tackle this issue. So what is the cost of this? The cost of wiping out $10,000 of student loan debt for everyone, $250 billion. The cost of wiping out $20,000 of student loan debt, $480 billion. Now to put that in perspective, <laughs> the United States military budget for the year is $715 billion. Who did that math? Uh, one of the think tanks. I can't remember which one. Mm, okay. Do, okay. Does that sound higher than you would think or lower? No, I just thought, you know, double the money would be double the money. You know, like oh, if no. you did 10K, it would be 20K. If it was 250 no, I think it's because there would be some type to. of in, there's some type of interest save interest savings. That, that's why I asked yeah. how they calculate. Okay, yeah, okay. that was Saba did not calculate that. Okay. <laughs> um, now, one thing Biden is trying to think through, and these numbers would drop, is if he means tested it, and so that would mean he could eliminate ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt but only for people making less than 150,000. So that's a that's a thought as well. And I think for a couple it would be 300,000. I don't know. The Republicans are hitting Biden pretty hard on this and saying he's taking care of the elite and the most educated folks who have graduate degrees for example. Uh, I sh- you know, I should note that not everybody who has student loan debt actually graduated from college, too. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. Uh, now, there are some Democrats like Colorado, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett. He ran for president. If that name sounds kind of familiar. He's seen as one of the experts in the Senate on education. Uh, his gripe about this is that it does nothing to actually address the cost of college, which is fair. Uh, and so he wants a kind of a yes and he wants to. Say, if we're going to forgive student loan debt up to X number, then we also have to fix the ways that students pay for college. I mean, this is tricky, right? So Biden campaigned on eliminating $10,000 in student loan debt. So if he backs out of that campaign promise on August 31st, or at some point before the November election, it's going to hurt Democrats. And he's going to lose credibility with a lot of folks who already feel some type of way about him. Right. And again, he campaigned on this in 2020. 
We are now in August of 2022, and the administration has not articulated a policy prescription on an issue that's no secret. And it's like, what have you all been doing for the past three years on this issue? Uh, and then I would say we know and universally agree that the cost of college is absolutely ridiculous compared to what our parents paid or even people today in their 40s and 50s paid. Elizabeth Warren talks a lot about the fact that she went to law school and it was $300 a semester for law school. <laughs> today that gets you a couple of books. Nowhere near the cost of tuition. One book. Okay, right. <laughs> it's like, like, excuse me, what? And so, you know, we try to cater to a younger audience on, on our on our pod. And so I would say my generation of millennials and the generation behind me, Gen Z, we're just continuing to get shafted by the American economy, big business, and the big business of education. Uh, there's, there's a real problem there. So I'm with Michael Bennett. If you want to give forgive loans, great. But you need to address the root of the problem. All right. As we always do, got to give you some union updates. A couple quick hits here. The National Labor Review Board ruled that Starbucks has to rehire seven Memphis workers that they fired in retaliation for being pro-union. Now, that happened back in February, the firing. It's now late August. So just to give you a sense of how much time and patience and money it costs to take on such a big business like Starbucks and fight for your rights. And then speaking of firing, uh, Starbucks also fired the lead organizer of its Augusta, Georgia store. Um, and this person is, you know, fighting to get his job back. Another uh, interesting union update. I don't know if this is going to ever make its way to Georgia, but strippers in North Hollywood, California are seeking to join a theatrical union. Which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, hey, they definitely should have a union. I, I think they should do that in Georgia. Yeah, uh, because especially the cross promotion between the dancers and being on TV. Right. Like so many of them get like TV credits now. So, I think so. All right. Um, now this next one is probably going to impact how fast you get your Amazon packages. Uh, UPS workers are under Teamsters and their contract expires about a year from now. So uh, I think it was last week, one of those ring light cameras that, you know, tells you, shows you the person's at your door. So somebody released a camera footage last week of a UPS driver that nearly passed out from heat exhaustion. He puts the package on the, you know, on the step. And then he, as he's leaning over to put it down, he literally just like falls over from heat exhaustion. And I didn't realize this, but UPS vehicles, the trucks that you see Felix drive, they don't have air conditioning units. <laughs> no AC units. It keeps the cost of the vehicle and costs the cost of maintenance really low. For, are you for real? And that's why you notice like the doors are always open. Yeah. Yeah. It's still bringing the, like, the airflow. This whole time I was like, man, why didn't like... I didn't think it was that hot for him to pass out, but yeah, if you had no AC, man. Yeah. And so if you think about kind of what's happening from a climate standpoint and we're getting hotter and hotter summers and just more extreme weather, uh, I think this might end up being one of the negotiating points for UPS drivers uh, as they work out a new contract next year. It's kind of wild. 
another thing, I think maybe this was last week or week before I mentioned Trader Joe's, the second store unionized. Well, there was a New York wine shop that Trader Joe's uh, has. It's just like literally Trader Joe's wine. They shut that store down because allegedly the employees were very close to announcing that they were going to call for a union vote. And so Trader Joe's just shut the store down completely. Now, I don't if they have proof of all this, then I imagine they could take that to the National Labor Review Board and fight it. But this is just the tactic that all these companies are doing. Starbucks is doing it. Chipotle did it. Now Trader Joe's is doing it. It's like, okay, you want to unionize? Well, we'll just shut the store down. Or you want to unionize? We'll we'll disperse the staff and say, okay, we don't have a space for you anymore at this store. You can go work at another store. And that other store may not be convenient to where you live. And Cindy, you'll quit. I just want to know who, who's doing all this snitching. Like, yeah, <laughs> like how, yeah. how the employees getting together about to call the vote and then Corbin right. finds out, like, who is the one employee? Like, I'm not with this at all. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, not all of these votes are unanimous, right? And so most of them have been, like, 58 to 5 or something like that. So the other five employees who don't want to join you, you're like, yo, F this. <laughs> that's a hotel management. Silly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a real thing. Like, that's part of the whole beef with the Augusta worker. Right. Like he, he, there was like a video release of him, like in this somewhat intense exchange with other employees at the store. Yeah. So they're like, I don't want to be part of union. So why are you making me do all? Yeah. yeah I get it. Now. I get it. <laughs> Crabs in a barrel. <laughs> all right. Um, on to already here party poopers and party starters. All right, this party pooper is so freaking ridiculous. So when I tell you all that every vote and every seat matters, this is a case in point. This week's party pooper is Louisiana's Republican Attorney General, Jeff Landry. As AG, Jeff Landry has successfully pushed twice to block a $39 million project to bring power to New Orleans drainage pumps. Now, these pumps are critical to stopping flooding in New Orleans. Hello, Katrina, anyone? So why is he doing this? <laughs> because Louisiana's, abor- Louisiana's abortion ban kicked in after the Supreme Court ruling. It does not include exceptions for rape or incest. In response, the city of New Orleans said, we are not going to enforce the ban. We're not going to put people in jail We're not going to prosecute abortion providers or patients. And really, it's just a gesture because once that ban went into effect, the abortion clinics in New Orleans shut down. But this was just, you know, uh, this is a solidarity moment. Now, in Louisiana, a doctor being caught performing an abortion is subject to up to 15 years in prison. So what what New Orleans decided to do is what progressive district attorneys across the country in red states are doing, including right here in Metro Atlanta. We had Fannie Willis, who I mentioned. We also had the DA in DeKalb County, who has also said, I'm not prosecuting this. So what, what does all this have to do with water? So in retaliation, the attorney general Landry said he will push the Louisiana state bond commission to continue to defer this $39 million line of credit for this project. The longer they delay, 
the longer it takes for the state legislator to approve the funding in its next budget bill. And he's doing all of this because he's upset that New Orleans is saying we're not going to enforce the law about abortions. So Landry actually said that he wants the New Orleans elected officials to come down to this commission and explain themselves. He wants a political spectacle, clearly. And as this type of politics that we're moving to, unfortunately, if this, if this type of politics continues, then our country and our communities are doomed, right? Imagine in, in Georgia, we, we've had DAs in Metro Atlanta and other progressive parts of the state have said, we're not going to enforce this bill. So imagine if Governor Kemp, please don't get this idea, Governor, but imagine if Governor Kemp said, we're going to withhold state funding for your transportation projects or we're going to not fund, you know, s- schools in your in your districts. Like, that is just absolutely insane. And so we'll see what happens. He's delayed the vote twice. I hope there's not a third time. I, I don't know. Someone's got to talk him off the ledge because you're putting people at risk. Uh, and that's not very much pro-life policy. <laughs> All right, my party starter, this is kind of a a sarcastic, begrudging party starter. Like, I don't, uh, this is a party starter-ish <laughs> because it's Bill Gates, uh, Republicans' favorite billionaire. <clears throat> so why is Bill Gates the party starter with an asterisk? Uh, so remember Democrats were celebrating the first real bill to address the climate crisis and Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema actually voted with the Democrats to make it happen. One of the people who moved Joe Manchin from a no to a yes, one of the key people was Bill Gates. Bill Gates personally lobbied Joe Manchin. He brought Democrats together and fed them and broke bread and had a conversation about it. So why he is my asterisk party pooper is because it is a doggone shame that a billionaire is the one that tells a United States senator, oh, you should do this. You should vote yes for this bill. Not because it's common sense, not because the majority of Americans want the bill, but because me, a billionaire, I'm asking you to do this. And oh, maybe I'll, you know, give you a slap on the back and help fund some project in West Virginia. Again, this is this is the type of politics that we're going to continue to have as a country. You're going to continue to erode trust in government. And as a reminder that, you know, yes, let me redo that. So it, this is a reminder that, one, you need to vote. Two, you can't just vote, but you really do have to show up. And you have to say, you are going to hear my voice. And if you decide to not vote policies that I believe you should be voting on, then I'm going to vote you out. And you, we have to consistently use the power of the vote to vote people in, but also to vote people out. And so my begrudging party starter is Bill Gates, because on this one, he did the right thing. But again, it's, it's a shame that a billionaire is the one that is encouraging a senator to take a vote that should be doggone common sense. All right. I know that party starter is usually supposed to be uplifting, but that one, (laughs) that one wasn't. Um, But anyway, that is today's show. 
as always, thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave a voice note. I think it's been a couple of weeks since I've heard some voice notes. So uh, leave a voice note if you want me to talk about a particular issue, if you've got a question, if you want, as we get ready for Who Runs Georgia, if you have a question you want me to ask one of the candidates, yep. leave that voice note and then stay tuned. we got something exciting coming for you. I can't give it away oh. yet, but it's going to be really cool. Yep. So just tune in. All right, y'all. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss a show. Have a great one. Thank you. Yeah.